Welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. I'm your host, Christy Taylor, and it's election season. And we're going to be talking to one of our Tennessee state representatives on today. Had an opportunity to meet him last year. Very dynamic gentleman from a family who has been a pillar in the Memphis community. And I'm excited to hear from him to give us updates on what's happening on the Hill. We're talking none other than the Tennessee representative, Jesse Chisholm from District 85, who's also a real estate investor. And let me tell you, he is committed to working in Tennessee, working in nonprofits, as well as education as a classroom teacher. And he is a Morehouse man. Yes, he is with a BS in business administration and a focus in marketing economics. And he has developed a strong sense of devotion for education and service to others from watching his mother, who was also an educator for many years, and his father, who is a legend in our community, a businessman in the community in which he has lived for over four decades. Now, Representative Chisholm was elected into the office of state representative and has been appointed into various prestigious positions. And let me tell you, he has the experience and the training that we need to lead us forward. And I love his family's motto, service above self. I want you all to help me welcome to the Christy Taylor Show, Representative Jesse Chisholm. Hey, how are you, sir? Hello, hello, hello. How is everything? I'm very well, very well. I'm super excited to have a chance to chat with you again. We met last year in 2019, pre-COVID. And of course, you know, you were in the midst of some exciting things even then, but I'm congratulations on your reelection. And I'm looking forward to finding out what's happening with you in your district and what's happening in the state of Tennessee. But first, for those who may not know who you are, Jesse Chisholm, kind of give a, a background story, your bio and your family's legacy here in the Mid-South area. Okay. I am Jesse Chisholm. Uh, first, I'll just say that I'm the son of William and Norma Chisholm, uh, who are my parents, who I love dearly, who taught me so many things in life that I get a chance to use every day now. So if my parents are out there listening right now, thank you so much for all that you have done and all that you currently do. Uh, so I, uh, I've i had uh, the privilege of being the, uh, the offspring of a, of a former educator. Uh, my mother, Norma Chisholm, who was a, who was a teacher, uh, she made sure that, she, for, first she made sure I got my lesson in school. First she made sure that uh, I knew how to be respectful, how to be a gentleman, how to be courteous. Then my, and my father, he, who was a businessman in, in, in our district, uh, mm -hmm. um, who came up with, uh, the, he and his brothers came up with uh, the Chisholm Trail and Maxi Foods. And and there, uh, I, so I grew up in a grocery store. But while, but while I was there, I got a chance to learn about service, to learn about people, and learn how to deal with people who are different from myself. Wow. And that's been something that's helped me every step of the way. And it's just an honor uh, to be in that space. Uh, I am, of course, I went to Morehouse College. Morehouse man. I want I wanted to get a good education, so I made sure that I. I I, I worked hard and went to the best school possible. Yay, Morehouse. Yeah. Um, also, but professionally, I am a real estate investor. So I I purchased the blighted homes, and and a lot of times I move into them to fix them up. And, <laughs> That's scary. Uh, That's and, a TV show. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I, I come I come out and, and with the home we then have affordable housing for families that are in need. But uh, um, that's that's a little bit about myself. Uh, I was elected in 2018 here at the General Assembly, which has been my life's honor. It really has been. I've gotten a chance to see a lot, and I've learned more in the last two years than I have in the last 20 combined. I tell you, but. Uh, uh, it's been it's been an honor. It's been, and we've actually, even as a freshman, have been able to uh, maneuver and get some things done in a space where it can be challenging sometimes. Because being in a super minority, uh, we have to scream for our life, for our voice to be heard sometimes. Right. So uh, thank goodness for a good microphone <laughs> <laughs> and and some willing ears uh, here and there. So yeah, we've got a chance to get a lot done, but. Uh, that's we're only at the beginning, so we our roll our sleeves are rolled up because we definitely have a lot of work to do. Well, I, I also congratulations in your reelection. Mm, thank you. Twenty. Now, Representative Chisholm, tell me about your district. For those of us, I I'm not a Memphis native. I've been here a long time, but uh, I would love to learn more about your district, where it is geographically, and just some of the highlights and notable people and history about your district. Okay. Okay. So I am from District 85, which is the most Western district in the state of Tennessee. Uh, that district go, it, I take that Holmes and State Line corridor from 3rd Street or uh, 64 or, or 60, 61. Yeah, 61, all the way to Forest Hill, Irene. And once you get to Forest Hill, Irene, we ride the expressway until you get to about Kirby Parkway. So, uh, the district, it kind of curves. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's kind of mapped out, kind of funny, but um, there are a lot of great things going on in our district. Of course, uh, you know, uh, parts of Whitehaven is part of the district, and in right. Whitehaven, uh, we we get a chance to host more uh, Black-owned businesses than anywhere else in the state. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we have the opportunity to have good people, good school, schools, good food. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be in District 85. A uh, shout out to my high schools too: uh, Westwood, Fairley, Ridgeway, and uh, South uh, South Wind. So to my high wow. schools out there, shouts out to them. You know that's a powerful corridor because you know as you've stated, Whitehaven is one of the most affluent Black communities and actually one of the most stable communities in the entire state. Let's talk about historical Whitehaven and the South. East corridor because you kind of pretty much have going all the way to Forest uh, Hill. I mean Forest Hill Irene, also a very um, large pocket of affluent African Americans. Can we talk about that corridor? In okay. That well, uh, in our, in our district, we have so many people that look like us who have been doing so many great things for such a long time. Yeah. So not only do we have economic drivers to drive our neighborhood, but we have examples of people who've done it that they give us inspiration to continue to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for and for me, it was just it was as, as close as the next room for me. You know, I got a chance to see my parents get up and go to work every day. And uh, not only did they try to make a living for their family, but also make sure that other families in the district 
could make a living for their family as well. Because, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times we get caught up in titles and positions and saying that we're, we're doing a lot of things, but with that comes a lot of responsibility. Right. And I got a chance to see a lot of people who took their responsibility and did great things with it. So, you know, and that's not just, that's not just in my family. Uh, you know, we have a lot of affluent families there who've been doing those things. So, uh, congratulations to those people. And, uh, you know, we, we want to rally behind people who are doing good things. Now, one of the things I do want to highlight is because your district is one of those historical districts where a lot of black people really have anchored and stayed and you're talking generationally. And yet with the fact that we still have a very strong populace of affluent blacks or upperly mobile blacks in those communities or African-Americans in those communities, we still have our challenges, even in the history of your family. As you stated, you grew up in a grocery store. However, like a lot of African-American businesses throughout time in the decades and as industries have changed, you have faced challenges. Let's talk about those challenges that you know firsthand and what's happening currently in 2020. Well, one of the bigger challenges that uh, many of us have is access, is access to access. funding. Because yeah. many times when, when, when people are in our, from our walk of life who are getting ready to do some great things, mm -hmm. we start with our last $2. Yeah, you know, that's true. You know we, start, we, start, we start with very little, but you know, you know, a good book tells us that despite not the day of small beginnings, that's so true. a lot of times we get a chance to see a lot of small beginnings, but uh, uh, that that's that's a big barrier that we have on a state level. You have black caucus members uh, like myself and so many others who are uh, going to our governor, going to uh, our uh, elected officials who are in leadership about um, making more of an economic. I, I hate to use the word stimulus, but to have an economic plan. For our for our communities of color, because we've 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 been a great friend to the state, to the city, and a great friend to the United sure. States of America. That is true. And that we want to make sure a great friend. That would be an understatement. <laughs> yes, we, we we've been we've been we've been a great friend out, you know. But uh, and we want to make sure that those who are able to assist in these these endeavors that they roll their sleeves up with us and do the same. What was your 2020 platform this so year? So my, my 2020 platform, um, my, here in 2020, the biggest thing that I'm focused on right now is criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, there's no secret that in communities of color, uh, we do more time for similar crimes. Uh, so, many, so many of our young people have been in prison due to nonviolent crimes. Right. And we and we're seeing some extreme, uh, some extreme punishments for minor crimes. So, you know, uh, some think that I'm trying to free everybody, which you know, uh, I I take that with a badge of honor, because there are some things that we do need to reform. We need to re refocus. Uh, one one bill that I do have coming down the pipeline right now is House Bill 1185. And what that bill does is it limits solitary confinement for juveniles. Mm. So uh, many of us didn't know that they were still doing solitary confinement. Mm. However, uh, it's still being practiced, but it's being practiced under the cloak of seclusion. 
So um, we have to define solitary confinement. So whatever whatever is being called at the time, it can still be seen as the same thing because anytime we're putting 14, 15 year olds in 23 and one, I believe we're doing a lot more damage than we can do good with with those individuals. So we want to make sure not, we want to make sure as a state, we're not, uh, uh, we're not setting people up so they can come back. Right. You know, we want to, we want to rebuild, we want to rehabilitate, not reincarcerate. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, that's a challenge when we do know that the prison complex, you know, that it has been made a for-profit industry. How, so in Tennessee is noted for that. So what type of challenges are you facing as a result of that? There have been a lot of challenges because we've we've been running to be we've been uh, working on the bill and and having meetings and 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 going through the committee process ever since that ever since I've been here. So uh, right now uh, we're still in the works of working with law enforcement, mm -hmm. uh, working with our prisons um, because they've been doing this for so long that we not only yeah. do we have to tell them to undo what's been done. We have mm -hmm. to give them another alternative on what to right. do. Right. So, mm -hmm. so what we're doing now is working with those particular parties. So we're sitting everybody at the table, mm -hmm. and um, uh, we're giving everybody a, a small piece of what they want. But I got a feeling everybody's going to leave the table wishing they had a little bit more. But right. usually, those when the best deals are made. So we want to make sure that we're being fair to our youth and not just throwing them away. Mm -hmm. That is extremely crucial, particularly when we are nationwide dealing with a push for police reform, because oftentimes to end up in the prison system, you got to first start, you know, with your first contact with law enforcement. Right. Now, this has been 2020. Once again, as you've been campaigning, a lot has been happening across our city, our state and the world, as well as the nation. Um, your take on the current state of affairs, particularly in law enforcement? Well, uh, first, let me first let me give a, a shout out to our people who are doing good things in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You know, many of our many of our officers are going out and they're doing the right things and they're going out with the right heart. And so but when we talk about police reform, we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the ones that are going out with certain biases that are going out with certain thought patterns and doing bad things to people of communities that are different from from our own. I've had many constituents reach out to to work with me on a plan to make sure that uh, officers are able to patrol neighborhoods that they are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Because you know, in, in in many of our neighborhoods, we you know that that guy that talks that, that talks a little crazy sometimes and may not look like the rest of us. We know that person. And we know that they're harmless, but someone who's not from a, a similar type area, they could become afraid. And when people become afraid, they have weapons, they tend to use them. So we want to, again, sit everybody at the table so we can uh, disarm some of their fear so that we can disarm some of our own fear. That's true. Because, you know, uh, the relationship between police departments and communities of color have been strained ever since there have been officers. And ever since there's been those particular Ooh. things. It's, and, it's you know, been a challenging history. It has mm -hmm. a challenging 
Right. Yeah, we, we don't have time to talk about all those things. Today. No, we can't. We, we, we got to talk about what's been happening. Yeah, we will. What I do want to talk about in shifting gears is what's happening on the Hill. Okay. Here at the Hill right now, as we speak, uh, of course, I, I won't have the information from it yet. But right now, there, there's a committee going on right now to look at the emergency powers of the governor. Okay. Because during this particular time, uh, the governor has an unprecedented amount of power right now. Because, mm -hmm. you know, during times of adversities like we're in right now, we tend to give our top leadership a little bit more leeway. And we want to, and right now they're in committees making sure that uh, um, our governor has the right amount of power so he won't have so much power that he abuses, but not so little that he can't be effective. So, you know, I think that balance is the key, is the key thing. So that's what's going on right now. Uh, there's, we had, we also had, we recently had a special session mm -hmm. uh, back in early August. Mm -hmm. And at and at that special session, um, we did we did some good things. We got a chance to expand our telemedicine, so people could have access to yes. information uh, yes. that could help them survive this pandemic. Right. Uh, also, there was another bill that was put for our small businesses, so they could have coverage. Because uh, you know we're in a, during this time of uh, COVID nineteen. It's new, this thing is new to everyone. Yeah, that's true. So, so our small businesses, uh, our individuals, uh, we wanted to give them a little, a little coverage so they won't be as exposed to all of the adversity that could come with the pandemic. What does that entail? Well, uh, it 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 takes it protects our, our small businesses from being sued if someone were to cont contract COVID and not know where they got it from, you can point at any business that you've been to where people right. have been and right. say it was there. So we wanted to protect those small businesses. Of course, uh, when the bill was coming, was coming in, I had some reservations at first, but, um, cause one of those reservations were, uh, our large businesses. And cause we do have some bad actors out there. We do have, we do have some uh, organizations who've who've heard the advice of the experts and have done the opposite. You know, we do have those, and uh, I had a big reservation because I didn't want to protect those. Right. But, you know, as a state, you know, all of our all of our legislation applies to everyone, so we want to make sure that our our small mom pop shops could still operate safely. There's another big bill that has been making news, um, particularly in regards to protesting. Yeah. So uh, that bill is uh, House Bill uh, 8005. And what that bill does, it actually gives more time for protesters that are, uh, the, the way the bill, the way it re reads is it, it uh, give people uh, uh, more time for stuff like vandalism and assault and disorderly conduct. But many of our protesters have been have been safe. They've been peaceful. They have been uh, well organized, actually. 
However, uh, I've seen I've seen uh, some things on on the news, uh, most notably Fox News, that have shown uh, a lot of rioting. And really, that's not the spirit. That's that's not the spirit of the protests that are going on. That's true. Matter of fact, many people who are involved with those activities are not a part of the protest going on. And that was that was uh, deeply explained to uh, our people who are on the opposing side of that bill, right. you know. Because I've gotten a chance, I've gotten a chance to be in the pro in, in protest. I've gotten a chance to uh, stand between the protesters and the uh, the reserves, you know, the uh, military, and uh, just being in there and seeing how. Things could have gone, but right. due to the people protesting, having the right heart into doing so, you know, those things worked out fine. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, there was one point where uh, the military put down their shields. And when we pass a bill to give people, because we're making, we're making felons out of people who just want their voice heard. And I, I thought it was a bad bill. I think it, it, it slaps the face of those uh, who are out there trying to uh, use their First Amendment rights? Because uh, uh, people on the other side of this have to remember why we're protesting in the first place. Yeah. We're not pro we're not protesting because we can't go to the barbershop. We're not protesting because uh, you know we can't watch our favorite TV show. We we are protesting because it's been proven that certain people in law enforcement, you know, not everybody. But certain people in law enforcement have taken uh, have taken the the privilege that they have, and they've ta they've taken it too far. They've they've used too strong of a hand on our community, right. and we want to let the world know that uh, we cannot continue to do do those kind of things to our people. We can't continue to do that. Mm -hmm. Another discussion will definitely be had for us um, regarding. What is police reform? What is defunding the police really looking like? And what type of legislations you know, may be put in place? But there's something else as we come to the wrap up that I know that you definitely want to touch on that's happening on the Hill. Um, what's one of the hot topics and one of the things that you, that you are noting that's formulating as we get to the last quarter of 2020 for the state of Tennessee? Uh, one thing that, I, that I'm, I'm noticing here is we're having a we're having a big fight about about voting. Yes. That's why I'm that's why I want to kind of segue to let everyone know to exercise your right to vote. So many people yes. have fought, yes. bled, and died for our right to vote. And if it was not important, if it wasn't gonna make any difference at all, people wouldn't fight us so hard to make sure that we could not vote. So and whenever someone fight that hard about something, just know that there's something to it. There's something to this voting thing. You know, uh, of course, there's not a politician on earth that can snap their finger and change your life. That's not, that, that, you know, that's not how it goes. However, we can have more people who have our better interests in mind who will fight for those better interests. Because here at the state, and here at the state, on the state level, um, you know, we, we, meet, we, need, we need more Democrats. We need more uh, people from our uh, communities of color to represent us here uh, because out of 99 votes 
you need 51 votes to get anything passed. And uh, as far as Black Caucus, you know, we're the fighting 17 up here. <laughs> it's so, 17 of you, just 17. 17. So, wow. and as Democrats, there's 26 of us. Wow. So in order to get anything passed, we need 51. So we definitely need more people who can speak to the needs of our communities. Um, now, don't get, it, don't get it twisted now. The 26 you have here uh, are known as the fighting 26 for a reason. You know, we, <laughs> we go to war on a daily basis and, you know, it's, a, it's an honor to do so. All right, then. Well, we're going to be right back after this. We are back with Representative Desi Chisholm, District 85, right? That's, I it. Sure. That's it, the best okay. district in the land. <laughs> okay, now what are some of the things that you as a state representative try to champion for your own district? What are some of those well, challenges and those victories that you're enjoying? I'm definitely championing better schools. So and better schools mean better funding and, yes. and so that we can have the best people the best uh, supplies, the best equipment to to educate our students. Uh, I'm championing for uh, for more funding for virtual learning because yes. during this during this time when we're in virtual learning, uh, it's it's new to everyone. But we want to make sure that we're doing it right. But even while we are virtual learning, we have to understand that one day we're actually all going back into the classrooms. That's right. So we want to catch up on some of this deferred maintenance that's needed for a lot of these schools. So that when t when teachers and students actually do come back to the actual building, they have the best uh, things to work with in order to educate our future. Now, I know that you are a former educator as well as, as you said, your mom. So I know that's very, very dear to your heart. And what are some of the things that your your constituents say about you and that they one reason why they said, yes, we give you a second term? Well, uh. Cause you can't brag on yourself, but you can't tell me what they said. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, uh, uh, um, I, I've, I've, I've heard a few. I've heard some. I heard some flattering things. Uh, but um, the big, the biggest thing that uh, I'm just inspired that a lot of people are seeing the work that we're trying to do here. Uh, that they're seeing that uh, we're willing to come in early, leave late, uh, come up down this highway as many times as it takes to get things done. And, you know, a lot of times I, I miss the people I love in Memphis because, you know, we were sent here to right. do to do this work. And I'm so glad that so many of our people understand that, you know, a lot of the things that we a lot of things that happen in our community can't always be it because we're up here trying to uh, keep the fire burning so that we can continue to have warmth in our homes at home. So it is an honor. It truly is. Well, truly, it also has been an honor, State Representative Jesse Chisholm, to have you here on the Christy Taylor Show. And for those who want to continue to learn more about you and to support you, they can go to your website, mm -hmm. 
jessechisholm.com. But also, you are you active on social media? Yes, I am active on social media, uh, mainly Facebook. Uh, you can hit me at uh, jesse.chisholm.71 at Facebook. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing for Instagram. All so right. You can, you can give me Jesse. there. Or you can call me here at the office. All right. And that number is area code 615-741-6954. And uh, our office will definitely uh, tackle as many of your needs as we can and continue to put the work in. Excellent. Excellent. Of course, they can see across the ticker. They can go to your website. You can follow him on Facebook and Instagram. And he said you can give him a call. I love it. I love it. Well, Representative Chisholm, thank you so very much. We truly do appreciate it. And any last words? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my last words would be uh, let, let's all continue to walk together, fight together, and get the things done that our community needs. So uh, whatever it is that you do, be sure to do it so well that no man living, no man dead, no man yet to be born can do it any better. All right. I like that. That's some good inspiration. Thank you so very much. And thank you all for joining me for yet another episode of the Christy Taylor Show. I'm really excited to be able to share this great information and these amazing people with you. Until next time. <laughs>